for our text tonight from Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, I'll read verses 9 and 10. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Revelation chapter 19 is is one of the most, if not the most climactic of chapters in all of the Bible. Much of what we read in the revelation of Jesus Christ, this particular book is building towards what is happening what John the Revelator sees a vision of here in this very chapter. It's really a, a, a culmination, a climax, which crescendos into actually after what I just read, where we find Jesus coming at his revelation. Here recently, in our studying of Genesis in Sunday school, we were reminded that much of what begins or starts in the book of Genesis is concluded or finalized in the book of Revelation. We know that in Genesis 1, we hear uh, the word of God or the words of God creating the heaven and the earth. And we find in Revelation 21, God's final handiwork of the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. In fact, the former will have passed away. Genesis 1.16 tells us of the sun and the moon that would rule the day, a lesser light, a greater light. And we find that in Revelation 21, it says that the glory of God and of the Lamb, and of the Lamb provides all necessary light for eternity. Genesis 2.9 tells us about a tree of life in this beautiful garden or paradise. But ultimately, we find in Revelation 22, the tree of life, and the Bible says has 12 manners of fruit yielding every month in the new Jerusalem that ultimately descends down onto the new earth. Genesis 2.12 explains to us of a beautiful river that flows out of Eden, out of the garden. And it would have been beautiful to see, but we're looking forward to a day that Revelation 22 says there will be this river of life flowing from God's actual throne in the New Jerusalem as well. Genesis 2.18, we find the institution and creation of marriage between Adam and Eve. And we know that in Revelation 19 and 21, we find the ultimate marriage between Jesus Christ and his bride. In fact, it says his bride hath made herself ready. Genesis 3.8, we find uh, Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of of the day and, and having fellowship with God Almighty. And what a beautiful picture that would have been. But we do find in Revelation 21 that God wants to dwell with his people continuously for all of eternity. 
What began there is concluded with God dwelling with those that have the seal on their forehead. We find in Genesis 3:17 the institution of the curse due to man's disobedience. And what a horrible uh, situation and conditions uh, that were happening there. But in Revelation 21 and 22, we find a conclusion with no more pain, no crying, and no curse. In Genesis 3:19, uh, when the curse is instituted, we find where mortal bodies are turned back to dust, the Bible says. But in Revelation 21.4, the Bible specifically says, no more death. Genesis 3.15 tells us about a promised redeemer. And in Revelation 5, we find the completion of this. And we know that Jesus did the work on the cross from the foundation of the world. But it talks about the lion of the tribe of Judah in Revelation 5, the root of David, completing salvation's plan. In Genesis 3.23, we find that man is banished from the garden and from the paradise. And in Revelation 22.4, we find that humankind, the redeemed, are given continuous access to this beautiful city to come freely. And in fact, it says that we're given a right to the tree of life. Imagine that. In Genesis 3.24, man is forced out of the garden or the paradise And the Bible talks about a cherubim with a flaming sword. And we read in Revelation, and it's hard to wrap our minds around this, that man is restored by reigning as joint heirs with Jesus Christ for all of eternity. And we know it's referring to initially on the earth during the millennial reign, but ultimately with the Lord in heaven. And there's no doubt many more. But if we really want to get a good picture or a conclusion to the current events on earth, what's happening right now, along with what will happen shortly. Revelation 19 provides really an excellent picture for us. At the beginning of this chapter, verses 1 through 5, we get a picture or a vision of what John the Revelator sees up in heaven. He says uh, what he calls, he heard a great voice of much people. And so this is a group, a multitude of, of thousands or likely millions of people up in heaven. And they're saying, the Bible says, and I, I think in, in our minds we might think of them singing hallelujah. Salvation, hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. And so there's this enormous roar of thanksgiving and praise before the throne of God, the Bible says. Well, why? And in fact, the scripture says here, because God hath judged the earth of its wickedness. In fact, God hath avenged the blood of his servants, the Bible says here. You want to talk about justice? This is justice coming to the earth by way of Jesus Christ. This group continues on. In verse 3 of Revelation 19, And again they said, Alleluia. And her smoke rose up forever and ever, speaking to what God had just done. And in verse 4, the Bible refers to 24 elders around this glorious throne up in heaven. And it's possible that the number 24 refers to the, the Davidic temple worship where he set up 
24 courses. There were, of course, the Levites, and from the Levites, there were the priests. And the Bible tells us that they uh, led worship, and there were 24 different courses or different groups. And we believe for seven days each, they would leave the worship in the temple, and that was their job. Well, the Bible says there's 24 elders around the throne of God. And then if we read on in this uh, chapter, we see of the four beasts or living creatures around the throne of God with the 24 elders and with this multitude of people that have been redeemed. And each of these beasts, if you look into it, they have faces of a lion or an ox, a man and an eagle. And we know they represent the exact four tribes that would camp around the tabernacle in the wilderness, Judah, Ephraim, Dan and Reuben. So these creatures are immediately around the throne and there's much more of a study that could go into them. But the redeemed, the elders, the beasts, they're around the throne and they all join in on this scene. Revelation 19, 5, at this time after they're all mentioned, and a voice came out of the throne saying, praise our God. A voice comes out of the throne. It could be the voice of God or the voice of all those around the throne. All ye his servants and ye that fear him is saying, praise our God, all ye that hear ye his servants and ye that fear him, both small and great. Verse six. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thundering saying, alleluia for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Verse seven. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. We remember marriage was instituted by God in the garden, like I already mentioned. But we see the ultimate example and fulfillment here in the marriage between Jesus Christ, the Lamb, and his bride. It stuck out to me that it said, and his wife hath made herself ready. You look at the original for that word ready, it means to prepare, or of course to make ready. And it's uh, comparable to another original word when you look it up. That means to prepare thoroughly, or we could say completely. So the bride has made all necessary and careful preparations. They were completed. Nothing was left undone. Nothing was overlooked. I was thinking 16 years ago at at this time of year, Allison and I were in the final preparations of our wedding. We were married November 12th. A wedding party by this time surely had been selected. Months before, we had nine bridesmaids and nine groomsmen. And some people thought that was crazy. But who cares? It's your wedding. Allison's dress had been chosen, and of course it was a a mystery unto me until the actual wedding day of what it would be. One of my favorite parts was, was cake sampling. We went around town and we sampled cake. Until later we found out that one of them was rat or mouse infested, and they're closed today. I actually looked them up. Other preparations were the reception, the hors d'oeuvres that were served, the candy table. And I remember 
Allison trying to explain to Sister Melissa a candy table at the time. You mean like a table with Twix and Reese's on it? It was much more than that. What a joy it was for us to work with Sister Melissa. It was much more than that, of course. We chose a photographer, of course, that was part of the preparations, and we always regretted not choosing a videographer. These were a lot of, a long time ago. We chose our songs carefully. Lord, let your light shine us on us by Michael W. Smith and When God Made You by New Song. And nothing compared to when I first saw Allison. We were in this very room and we did pictures before the ceremony, of course, and um, how it's usually done is you're... You turn your back and they bring the bride in and then you turn around and you see each other for the first time. God designed marriage to represent the presentation of his bride to himself, the Lamb of God. John the Revelator says here, you know, it's it, it worth saying it's no wonder that when you step on the definition of marriage in particular, God doesn't like it. Reading from verse 7, Revelation 19, he says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she be, should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. The bride has been thoroughly and completely washed in the blood of Jesus. The bride is no longer in her dirty rags that we as human beings are born with. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he, Jesus, might be presented to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And in fact, Peter really expounds upon this, saying, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And if you look up that word diligent, it means to use speed. Meaning to us, time is short. Be diligent. Be prompt. Be in earnest. Endeavor or make haste. Don't delay. For what? To be found without spot or wrinkle. Without spot, if you look that up as well, refers to being unblemished, without fault, without stain, not soiled or holy, only by the blood of Jesus Christ, which does a perfect job. Now back to Revelation, our text, verse 9. And he said unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Now at this point, John doesn't really know what to do after he's seen all this. In fact, the Bible says, And I fell at his feet to worship him. He sees this scene of worship in heaven. He sees that judgment has come. He sees this multitude. He sees the 24 elders, these creatures around the throne, and, and, and then the marriage of the lamb and the bride and all of this in this vision. And so he falls down on his face to worship. 
And he's told, see thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And these two phrases within this verse really have been going through my mind. It's been on my heart over and over recently. The testimony of Jesus and the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We know there's one primary theme throughout the word of God, throughout scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, and it all speaks and points to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. In fact, in Revelation chapter 3, when Eve was tempted, it's thought that uh, Adam was probably in his low to mid-30s at the time of creation, and, and we have the privilege to study this in, uh, in the account of Genesis, and we know that the fall was very shortly after creation. God's creation was perfect, including all the angels, and at some point shortly thereafter, uh, the devil and his angels were kicked out of heaven because they fell. In fact, Lucifer, he wanted to be like God. It was about self. It was about his self-esteem, wanting to be like the Lord. And we know that the fall was very shortly, therefore, after creation, because the Bible dates for us the ages of many in the scriptures, Adam and, and Seth, and, and from those uh, times of how long they lived, we know, uh, we get an idea that the fall was shortly thereafter creation. God does not waste any time in Genesis chapter 3 after the fall. It's the same chapter as the fall. He says in Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. God was putting the enemy on notice. God is speaking to the enemy at this point. He's saying Jesus is coming. Hope is coming. Salvation is coming. Victory is coming. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In fact, the first prophecy that we know of by an actual prophet in the scripture came from Enoch. Remember the one that was simply taken up by the Lord, taken up by God. He was translated, or we could say he was raptured. In Jude chapter 1, verse 14, Jude 1, 14, and, and Enoch also the seventh from Adam. So there was Adam there was Seth, Enos, Canaan, Mahaliel, Jared, and then Enoch. So this is early on in human history. The seventh from Adam, excuse me, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Enoch is prophesying of Revelation chapter 19, the coming Messiah, the coming Savior of the world, Jesus at his revelation, because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Remember back in Luke's gospel, he lays out a time in which the Lord, in fact, he says in, in Luke 1 chapter Luke 1 verse, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 4 verse 1, that Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And the Bible tells us he was there for 40 days and no doubt he was extremely exhausted. He was very hungry. 
And the Bible talks about the tempter coming and, and, and tempting him to think unholy thoughts or do unholy things. And we know that Jesus himself, he uses God's word, which is an example to us, to thwart the temptation. The enemy knows God's word as well, and he'll twist it sometimes. We want to get it right. And God will help you to get it right because it's his word. It was his idea in the first place. But in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, the Bible says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Remember, early on it says that the Lord was full of the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit led him into the wilderness. And here in verse 14, the Spirit, or the power of the Spirit, he was led into Galilee. And they were around, uh, they, they went out of fame throughout all the region round about of what Jesus could do. This was the start of his ministry, of the healings that he was doing, of, of the words that he was teaching. In verse 16, it says he came to Nazareth. So he went back home where he came from. And the Bible says he goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And the minister brings him the scroll of Isaiah. In verse 18, Jesus reads the following. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And of course, we know this to be Isaiah 61. The chapters weren't there at that time. Jesus goes on to read in Luke 4:19 to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And that'd be Isaiah 61, verse 2. And then Jesus says to all of them in the 21st verse of Luke chapter 4, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, Isaiah, he may have the most prophecies of the coming Savior. You look at prophecies relating to the millennial reign, even further beyond eternal heaven and so forth. Isaiah is full of prophecies about the coming Messiah. J. Barton Payne says there are about 574 verses in the Old Testament pointing to Jesus specifically. Alfred Edersham says there's 456. The point is there's many. But what's interesting is that when Jesus reads from the scroll of Isaiah here, he stops. If we go to Isaiah 61, verse 2, he says, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what Jesus read. But if you keep going, and the day of vengeance of our God. You see, Jesus doesn't fulfill this portion of Scripture until Revelation 19. The vengeance of God really throughout the tribulation period, but Jesus at his revelation, the coming judgment of Jesus Christ as a warrior to this earth, it's coming. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He was prophesied of throughout all of the Old Testament. Even Job, who was pre-law, could say, for I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though... And though after my skin words destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. He's speaking of Jesus Christ. All seven of the feasts of the Lord, they speak or they prophesy of Jesus. 
Passover. Jesus is our Passover. Unleavened bread. Jesus was without sin. First fruits. He's the first fruits from the dead so that we can point to being and having victory over death, hell, and the grave. Pentecost. Jesus had to go away, he said, to send the comforter, the dispensation of the Holy Spirit that you and me live in today. And there are three feasts yet to be fulfilled. Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and tabernacles, which Zechariah refers to during the millennial reign. Of course, the tabernacle coverings back in the wilderness, the tapestries, the, the, the fabric they used, they all pointed to Jesus Christ. The temple worship system all pointed to Jesus Christ. Even Abraham predicted or prophesied when he said to Isaac, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for an offering. God would ultimately provide for himself a sacrifice that would be sufficient, that would be perfect, so that he could forgive the sins of all humanity if they would take that gift of salvation. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You know, I looked at this word for testimony. In the original, it means evidence given a record, a report, or a witness. I believe this really speaks directly to what we experience in our heart and our soul when we have a relationship with the Lord. Brother Matt talked about in his testimony that we can have Jesus in our hearts. When we experience the Lord, when we experience Jesus, we experience I believe the testimony of Jesus or that spirit of prophecy in our hearts. We experience what we could refer to as a taste of eternal life. A taste of what Jesus did when he was the first fruits from the dead. In fact, when we're saved, life eternal has begun. There's a man, Christ Jesus, right now with prints in his hands and in his feet sitting on the right hand of God, an advocate for you and me that wants to give you a testimony, that wants you to experience the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's relevant today. It works today. Salvation is for you and me today. We preach that the judgment of God is coming to the earth. We believe that. You better get ready. You better make preparations to be a part of the bride. You better not leave anything undone if there's a question in your mind or, more importantly, a question in your heart about, did the blood of Jesus cover that? Am I, have I made that thing right? Have I done what you want me to do, Lord? Search my heart. We want the blood of Jesus to cover and to avail. No matter where we're at in our walk with the Lord, it's nice to have another fresh new dip in the blood of Jesus. How do we know that Jesus is alive? It's because of what you and what I witnessed when we were saved. That's the evidence. That's the witness of Jesus Christ. Because of what happened in our hearts, we passed from death unto life. All of a sudden, we had victory. We didn't know how to explain it. Some talk about uh, you felt lighter. You felt like the chains were broken. You have to have that experience. It might just be a deep, settled peace but it comes from God's throne in heaven. 
That's a big deal. And so that's why we tell you, 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 you can't save yourself. The preacher can't save you. Only the Lord can. The Lord will confirm a transaction that was done in heaven, a name that was written for all eternity. Time will pass away and your name will still be there because of the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Are you saved tonight? Have your sins been forgiven? Are you ready for the soon return of Jesus? We know that Jesus will soon come as a thief in the night. But you know the scripture says that to those that live in the day, he doesn't come as a thief. We, are, we look at the signs. The thief, a thief comes in the night to somebody that's not ready and not prepared. We should be ready. We should be prepared. We should be expecting his return. We should be watching for his return. We want to make it. The judgment of this world is coming. If you're not saved, we would ask you to ask the Lord into your hearts tonight. You need to just repent of your sins. Tell the Lord you're sorry. Jesus went to the cross on behalf of your sins to give you victory, to give you life. Come to an altar of prayer tonight. The Lord will do a special work for you.